Welcome to CFO Insights, the leading podcast for finance professionals in disruptive tech, brought to you by the startup CFO community. I'm Guy Hutchinson, and I'm the host of the podcast, as well as being a tech CFO. Well, that's what I'd ordinarily be doing, but not today. For this episode, the tables are turned, and Emily Lincoln Gordon, COO and former general counsel, interviews me, and I discuss how hard it is to build a community why trust and authenticity are the one true currency, and the way that community interactions within Startup CFO could support accelerated career development. Welcome to CFO Insights, the leading podcast for finance professionals in disruptive tech, brought to you by the Startup CFO community. You're not hearing Guy's voice today, as you're used to, you're hearing me, and I'm Emily Lincoln-Gordon. I'm actually not strictly speaking a CFO, but a COO and former GC. I just happen to lead finance teams. Snuck into the group, thanks to Guy. I've been somewhat accepted into the group, uh, and I'm now a long-standing member of the group because Guy and the team kindly let me join years ago when I first began leading finance functions as part of my role, and I desperately needed guidance and community on finance things. Now I do my best just to add enough value and expertise into the group to be considered an honorary member so don't kick me out. One of those things is interviewing Guy on today's podcast. In our discussion today, we're going to talk to Guy, one of the co-founders and now the person primarily running the network about the origin story of the Startup CFO group, how it quickly grew to become one of the largest communities of its type in the UK and EU, with members joining from all over the world to access the CFO hive mind. We talk about the amazing learning and development opportunities the group has developed for finance leaders in tech, and he shares some surprising learnings of CFOs taking on the role as founder. Guy, welcome to your own podcast. Thank you, Emily. I know, I got to be in the guest chair at last. (laughs) It's a bit different, isn't it, to be on the other side? It is. I feel quite intimidated, actually. Uh, it's It's quite strange when you're used to being the host to suddenly be doing the the talking being the guest is slightly different, but you know, firstly, thank you very much. Amazing summary and intro, and 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 you know, I'd like to amplify your point there. Like you are a honorary CFO in our view. Uh, I've seen you answer some incredible questions on really tricky ops things and legal counsel things in the group, uh, and you are a great contributor. So um, thank you for taking on the mantle of being my interviewer. I couldn't say no, you know, you've interviewed however many people and someone has to interview you at some point. And I didn't want to leave it to risk that someone goes easy on you. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you for thinking about it in that way. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it, it, it's 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 nice to be here and I'm looking forward to talking about the group a bit because I don't get enough opportunities to talk about the group. And we know that the podcast has got a really strong international sort of listenership, if that's a word. Uh, and so it's kind of one of those things where um, I'm pleased to be here talking about it and and sharing more for tech CFOs all over the world. Awesome. So um, I've got a couple of questions loosely prepared to give us a bit of a structure. I think one of the, the place that makes the most sense to start, especially considering how many folks listen to this who, who may be new to the group or haven't been in the group, the origin story of this group, I think, is super, super interesting. So community, I think, is, is notoriously hard to build. It's really, really hard to grow and maintain. Anyone who works in content or community will say that to you. And it's even harder to do it really well, but with an engaged bunch of people. And the thing that's always surprised me a bit about the CFO network, and it's one of my favorite networks that I get to be in, is it's so engaged. People are like this constant, there's something every day. If there's never a lull, then people are really, really, really helpful. And what is it that made 
you personally decide to set out and create a community like this in the first place? And did you actually appreciate when you did how much energy and time it would take and how full time this would become for you? I guess I should give you the potted history as to how we ended up being at the scale yeah. that we're at, right? So we're the largest group of our kind in the UK and EU. We also have members in places like Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the US. Uh, but we started off in a pub in Farringdon in East London. And uh, I'd been a tech CFO for, I can't remember now, four or five years. So I'd been working with uh, VC-backed businesses. I think I was on my second or third business at that time. And I realized that some of the kind of the bigger teams, like the marketing teams, and the tech teams, they, they had a meetup to go to. Uh, and I reached out to David Lee, who was in a similar CFO role to the one that I was in. And he and I chatted and we ended up with a pub meetup group. And that that did incredibly well. Like we were suddenly with our peers um, and that expanded basically invite only. So we'd seek people out who were in the London tech scene in kind of well-known tech businesses like Halo and what have you. And uh, we picked up another couple of founders on the way because it was a bit bigger than something that two people could manage the, as their side hustle. Uh, and we ended up with, I can't remember, probably six or so meetups a year, an email chain of 50 or so of, I guess at the time, some of London's leading tech CFOs. And then we went on to Slack into 2016. And we had a little bit of a Wild West period where I think we probably got the Slack settings wrong and like a whole bunch of people joined. Uh, <laughs> and so, and you made it anyone can invite anyone. I think we had done that. Yeah. Right. Uh, kind of, you know, <laughs> if you think about it, you've got four CFOs trying to build a community, which you rightfully say is notoriously hard. We didn't get all the settings right. Uh, so we got a little bit Wild West. We came back to it. We put a lot of structure around it booted out some people that really should never have been there. Uh, and now we have this amazing community of more than 900 members, our learning and development opportunities, expert talks, these premium things like our program on exit. Um, are, I, I think some of the best things that uh, TechCFO can do with their time in London. Uh, and so we're running 70 events a year. We're running a few things in Amsterdam that's beginning to go really well, a couple of things in Manchester. And I'm very lucky because it's great fun to run. I mean, that was going to be my next question. When you say it's great fun to run, I assume you don't do all of this on your own, 900 members, 70 events a year, etc. I assume you have a bit of help. Um, yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, that, 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 that was your question. I failed to answer your question. So your question was, uh, <laughs> how much energy and time, time and energy, um, yeah. so it, it does consume a lot of energy uh, I've got a wonderful team we have Ashley in ops uh, really focusing on how we deliver those 70 events a year we've got Phil Dorman who is an amazing coach leading our our mastermind coaching groups and our CFO retreats uh, we've got Rachel focused on recruitment so you know recruitment is one of these things that in a community you can integrate it but you need to integrate it in a manner which is much more focused on the individual, on the candidate. Uh, and that and that's something that we've done. We think we're, we've got the early evidence of success there. So yeah, it takes a lot of time. I'm super busy. I'm basically like MD of this now uh, and enjoying this little window of my career as a founder, having been CFO for 15 years before. Yeah, we'll come back to that because I'm super interested in that transition. Um, but perhaps just to stay with this for a moment. Um, the the community is really interesting because you do have a lot of people in it and there's a lot of slack activity but it doesn't feel super noisy or or super busy you, as you said you run a bunch of events as well and i 
Um, I used to help run uh, a similar network, but for GCs called the Disruptive GC Network and recently started a community for female operational execs in London as well. So I have always sort of had to think about the big thing being that, do you do in-person? Do you do virtual? A bigger thing post-COVID, of course, than it ever was before. And I've always sort of struggled with the, the fact that I personally find interactions much richer when they are in person than online. But of course, it's super convenient. And being able to pop into Slack and ask a question has been a real career changer for me when managing finance teams. And the, the Startup CFO Network in particular, of all the ones that I'm in, is very, very engaged on Slack. I'm not sure, I was thinking about this earlier, and I actually went and had a little scroll. I'm not sure there is a question that's ever gone unanswered one way or another, even if it took a couple of days. But you also run heaps of actually well-attended in-person events. So can you talk to me a little bit about your point of view on this topic? Are in-person versus digital events or, or sort of async channels like Slack, are they fundamentally different? If so, what differences do you see? How do you decide what sort of topic belongs online and what you actually focus on for your in-person events? How does that work? What strategy do you have around that? Those things are really quite interwoven. Um, and I'm trying to explain as best I can. It's probably a fairly sort of complex point. I mean, I mean, firstly, just to amplify uh, one statement that you made there, actually, Emily, um, you're quite right. We see nearly every question answered, even very sort of in-depth technical things receive fantastic answers. And the real heroes in the group are the members, right? So obviously there are some members who are more active than others. And we see sort of a, a, a cohort of, of, of many hundred producing really high quality answers. And so, you know, that's been driven by trust and we're really grateful for the members doing that even in the uh, whatever, sixth, seventh year, maybe longer that we've been in Slack. Um, but to go back to your point around the dichotomy sort of digital versus in person. I mean, you know, we use Slack. Um, Slack works well for us. Many of our companies, though, the members work for companies as normally FD, head of finance, CFO, and the company's already in Slack. So like they're already logged in, so it's convenient for them. But Slack is designed for companies, not a community per se. There's a whole bunch of features that we'd love to have that we don't have and we'll probably never have but it's good enough to get the job done. And that's why you see those great answers to the questions that people post. The second side of digital has been really virtual events. And, and, and actually now we've had so much success with the podcast, virtual events versus the podcast. So we found that virtual events can be very good. It's fantastic as a kind of broadcast medium, our ability to run them particularly in the middle of the day to um, engage with members all over the UK, but also in the EU as well, because the time zones are so close. That works fantastically well, but doesn't really work at all for networking and doesn't work as well as it could do, I think, for Q&A. And that leads us to what you mentioned, which is the in-person event. So most of our events are in person and we get you know, great energy in the room, really amazing questions from your peer group. They tend not to be huge audiences, like somewhere between 10 and 30 would be typical. And so we're essentially committed to um, doing the things in Slack that, that, that should be in Slack. And those are often sort of fairly straightforward questions like supply recommendations or a gentle steer on tax matters. And then the things that are like more of a strategic thing around things you've got to do to get funding or to land some venture debt or to deliver on an exit, they tend to be more in person. And so that, that essentially gives us the matrix structure, which is broadly the really strategic operational things that add value 
do those things in person. That's why we've got the pro membership now. Uh, and the things that you just need an answer on, you want to come back in a couple of hours and see some great answers, that's probably in Slack. And then some of the data from Slack informs our learning and development roadmap, which is really where that kind of matrix overlay kicks in. I think it's really interesting. You, you brought up there, there's something about being in person drives trust. And I wonder if because you started in the pub and having these sort of first and foremost in-person get-togethers before it became sort of larger online community with this Slack aspect, I wonder if that strong core group and their behaviours drives this. But the thing that I think is um, I've observed a lot is that, for example, other networks I'm in, I think a really good example is the, is the GC network. They're all GCs and startups in London. So it's the sort of equivalent of the CFO network, but much, much smaller for, for general councils. And I find that you'll see questions that are um, equivalent in the startup CFO network in terms of how, I guess, how vulnerable and open people are willing to be about what they're asking. And then people, when they answer on Slack, are often giving away quite a lot of information or insight on actually how, how their business itself runs so by asking the question how do you xyz or we're about to do this you're kind of saying quite a lot of stuff and then someone will answer and give quite a lot away about their own business and I think that that is a very unique thing to the CFO network because I don't see that level of openness with the GCs I think it must have come really from the fact that we were in person like like we were in person first for sure and somehow that's become a part of our culture right so you know people mirror each other and if you think we've got 900 and something people in in the group right now uh at some level everybody's mirroring the first 50 members right who met each other in the pub before they were even in slack um asking questions and answering things um and to to sort of expand a bit on your point around that piece where the moment of vulnerability like the person asking the question that that that's met by somebody with uh, very sort of credible experience of, of the thing that the question's about. I, th- I think the members handle that well, right? I like, I would say we don't see, we don't really see any confidential information being shared in Slack, actually. I'd, I'd, I'd say like, like we don't see people quote their revenue numbers or no. specifics of the challenges that they've gone through, but they will allude to enough that you know that this person is advising you from a position of authority people know when to say hey look um that thing you've asked about i've got some experience of that you can dm me and people Mm -hmm. know how to take it um away from the public forum so that it could be a one-to-one chat about maybe an experience with uh a provider i see a lot around recommendations for, for banking or um someone's about to raise funds or someone's having some trouble with the debt provider et cetera, and people are really willing to to chat yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's it, right? It's kind of, you don't need to spell out exactly what you're going through because these are your peer groups, right? You can you can just indicate broadly the challenge that you have and someone's going to reach out. And if it's something that's suitable for like public discussion and can benefit hundreds of other members, then that, that, that that's where it lives. And I think most of the conversations live there. And then some of the stuff that might be like a little bit sensitive, um, people are super smart about that. And it's taken offline and people people do calls, people do meetups on Zoom or whatever. Um, and there's DMing, right? So, you know, I, th- I think that part of the makeup of the members that <clears throat> helps them to identify the best route for that type of communication, um, which often is dependent on the 
the topic, for example. Um, I think they do that really well. And, and, and as far as we know, they just do that instinctively. They just know from best of <laughs> early years training in, I don't know, accountancy practices and yeah. investment banks. So that, that, that's the way to do it. I actually think you're being unhelpfully humble there in that last sentence, because I don't think people do you know, that many things super instinctively. I think that, that you're right, there's an example that people set and they mirror each other. I also think that you you might be under under underselling how much you curate and you think about who you let into the network and what seniority they are, what their background is, how relevant they are. And you seem to have done a really exceptional job of getting to these sort of 900, close to 1,000 members, all of whom are extremely well-matched to each other in terms of their experience levels. And so that people do just know, don't they, how, how to handle a certain conversational situation. Um, so I want to ask a little bit about that because the network is, yeah, 900,000 people, something in that region. Um, and I've been part of other communities that ballooned really fast and have become sort of noisy, low quality, just not very valuable. So I've ended up leaving them. And I'd like to understand how you have grown to that many people in the first place, why this network over others? I mean, there are other CFO groups and finance groups. And what do you think you've done right to grow like that whilst keeping the sort of high engagement, high trust, good quality membership? I think it's predominantly that we combine starting early and, and, and being the first with the fact that we got quite quickly to a very clear mission and set of values about how we should behave and how we support you know, one another's careers. Uh, and trust, you know, trust is incredibly important for us. Like whether we're looking at somebody's uh, background on LinkedIn or we're meeting them before they join the group sometimes, or even we're meeting uh, a business that might be a sponsor of the group because we do have these sponsor relationships. Trust is incredibly important, right? We, we would never, for example, we would never partner with a sponsor that we felt was not entirely trustworthy. Uh, that, that's absolutely key for us. Uh, so it's sort of, I think we somehow brought it into the narrative and when we sort of communicate when it's me posting and I'm leading things, announcing events, announcing some of our new initiatives, I just think it's just part of uh, how we operate. I think nearly all of our in-person events are on a Chatham House rules basis. And that means that what you're talking about is confidential, you know, within those four walls and most of these groups are actually relatively small and small groups are very good for trust. So we don't see people doing silly things like posting summaries of what was discussed on LinkedIn. Like we would never see that because our CFOs really understand what it means to be in a very highly trusted environment. I think the other thing I'd say is we have broadly three members joined for every one that gets in the group. So we're quite selective and it's not easy to turn people away, but but we do what we learned early on that that was key. And so we turn away people that don't really have a background as a finance professional. Um, even though they, they might claim they're doing CFO things. Uh, we turn around people that are too junior and we typically wait for them to be head of finance at least. And then, you know, VP finance, FD, et cetera. And, you know, it, it's it's the combination of those things, I think, that really driven these, these behaviours that, that have made it such an amazing group. Do you often get it where you've turned somebody away when they were a bit more junior? So say head of finance, et cetera. And then a couple of years later, they've, been promoted through the ranks and and now they are actually eligible does that happen a lot people yeah, come back happens all the time happens all the time yeah so uh we know who's applied and when they've applied we know 
the reasons for them being admitted or otherwise. Uh, and we will circle back on profiles and see if they've kind of uh, gone up the ranks since. Uh, because we now have our recruitment practice, actually one of our most common data points for somebody that would play successfully is somebody who might have applied to join the group maybe 18 months ago. Uh, and at that time, they were not quite in the leadership role they needed to be in. Uh, and we'll keep we'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch with them. Uh, and we, we may well place them in a role working for one of our CFOs in the group. Uh, and uh, they, they will then become part of the group because scale-ups can nominate more than one direct report. Uh, so so there's, there's all of these features that are really about having some of the best tech CFOs out there in the group but also having like the future CFOs there as well, because people are always coming up the ranks. It's a really interesting point. And actually you've alluded to it slightly there, your, your recruitment business. I don't think lots of folks are aware uh, that it's more than just a talking shop and, and a bunch of really nice events with people, though it is also a bunch of really nice events with people. But you basically, you said that you're the MD of this now and you, you run this full time. And I know you've mentioned to me in the past a couple of ideas you've been throwing around on future direction of the group. There's so much you can do with this sort of, huge group of really smart interesting people is there anything that you can share here what's the what's the plan yeah so we've got a lot of stuff coming um some really nice things that we've launched for 2024 i mean before i dive in on that actually like 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 the, the one thing that um i was dying I, I was itching to talk about actually emily was um like usp right? i think sometimes we we meet new joiners and they realize that there's a meetup to go to and maybe we have like a expert speaker at the meetup and then we have a drinks afterwards and i think they've probably been to some other things they wonder what what's different about startup cfo mm -hmm. and it's worth me kind of circling back on that so the, so the first thing is that we learned very early on that cfos are not fans of conferences so that cfos basically believe that the hard work happens at their desk and they don't want to take a day off work to go to a conference um it just <laughs> that's not right? good roi is it yeah I think that's not happening it's not how we think about the world, right? Uh, so we're not building conferences and we think that's not really the model. Well, that works great for CEOs and VCs or what have you. They've got all of their wonderful tech conferences and, and, and CFOs, they have a slightly different attitude to deploying their time, often small amounts of their time, maybe two hours, maybe three hours, um, but getting a lot of bang for their buck out of that time. Uh, the second thing is that some people might have been to other types of networking events like those done by the providers so law firms accounting firms and actually i was going to uh meetups that the law firms organized before startup cfo existed so i had that as a a a comparator uh and quite simply when you go to something that one of those guys has organized obviously it's lovely that they're buying you the drinks and all the rest of it um the reality is that you are in the funnel right those meetups that are run by a provider tend to lack the authenticity that, that, that is the foundation of the trust that, that makes everything else work. And so you need to, you know, again, I'd, I'd recommend to any CFO, if you're deciding how to uh, utilize the time you've got to go and do some networking, uh, whether it's our group or somebody else's group, pick one that's really authentic. Don't just end up in somebody's funnel, right? You're not gonna learn that much. You're not gonna have a good time and they'll be emailing you forever. It's, it's uh -huh. <laughs> As someone who used to do that to people. <laughs> oh, of course, you're a, 
I, I forgot you were a legal counsel and law firm, Emily. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, look, so like, I'm, I'm sure there's some legs in that, but it's not it's not really the best use of time for a tech CFO. Uh, and yeah, so, 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 you know, that, that's our USP. People, people love us for that trust, that, that, that authenticity. Moving on to your question, which was about what's, what's coming in the future. So yeah. uh, I've got a feeling that I mentioned the pro membership earlier. Uh, so we've ended up with kind of three sort of key elements of the pro membership to have something that people would happily pay for. And this year we're doing that at £600. So it really, really isn't that expensive, right? So we're doing uh, a two-day CFO retreat a couple of times a year. That's a great mixture of um, L&D with some really kind of famous name in tech. So we've got Mike Rowe, who is CFO at Just Eat. He's leading the conversation for our first CFO retreat, and, and he'll be there doing that in partnership with Phil Dorman, our learning and, and like development director. So the CFO retreats are kind of really exciting for us. And broadly, it's two-thirds L&D, one-third just letting your hair down with your peer group. And we think it's a great formula. So that's exciting. We've got the mastermind coaching that I mentioned earlier. Um, I think a lot of CFOs really underestimate their power as a problem solver in the business generally, not, not just the CFO things. Uh, and we run mastermind groups, we've run five groups. So I'm thinking that's best part of 30 people. Uh, and it's such a successful formula and really hats off because Phil Dorman's done an amazing job configuring a founder-based mastermind formula to make it work for CFOs. And then the third part is the mentor pairing. Uh, and we see these questions all the time in Slack. Uh, often it's the question that, that, that perhaps isn't answered, which is, could, could somebody recommend a mentor for me? And that's a very complex question because it depends on what the individual is looking for, where they are in their career. Uh, and also really great mentors want to work with a certain kind of person. So there's a kind of matchmaker type thing that we're running in the middle there. So we think those that are going ahead with pro this year, it's those three things that are the cornerstones for them. That's interesting. I've always struggled that the sort of heads of and VPs of finance that have reported into me over the years have always asked at some point in their growth and development journey, you know, could I have a mentor? Uh, and I'm always all for it. And I had a coaching budget, but it was always very difficult to actually help them source someone. So I actually, I love that that's something that, that you're now investing in doing. That's awesome. You also mentioned earlier recruitment services. Can you talk about that for a moment? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we've been live with recruitment since June of last year. We had Rachel Gruel join us. Uh, she'd been working with Forward Partners, uh, doing something that was a, a very good match for what we had, really focusing on C-suite roles in startups and scale-ups and the level below C-suites are broadly VP finance. Uh, she's really, really driven and has really focused on understanding the way that finance people see their position in a startup or a scale-up because these are like super high growth businesses uh, and they can be difficult. They can be difficult environments to place a candidate in. Unpicking the candidate and the match to their, their direct report, um, that, that's really important, particularly when that direct report's the founder. Um, so we think we've got a really strong, distinctive quality in our recruitment services. Um, and um, yeah, we, we, we're super happy, happy with how that's gone and Rachel's doing really well with it. And then like the last point to mention really is that we've been taking members into the group from various international markets, I think at least four years. Um, it's been very organic. We, we obviously noticed patterns in 
where people join from, who listens to the podcast, for example. Uh, and we're now looking to run meetups very much like our, our London expert talks and our London premium events in places like Munich and Amsterdam and Stockholm. And that's, you know, those, those are places that I'll be spending time in and making things happen. So, you know, um, it's really exciting that we've got those three segments all happening at once. And like the growth is fantastic. I'm really proud of what we've achieved. Uh, it's a really good effort from everybody in the team. Uh, and obviously if we have people listening to the podcast and you're in one of those cities, so that's Munich, Amsterdam, Stockholm, uh, and you think you'd be a great person to help us to get out there, meet CFOs, run some great events. Um, on the websites at startupcfo.tech, uh, there's a contact us form on the bottom of the homepage. Just jump on that, get in touch. Um, we're super, super interested. Those are going to be great markets for us. That's super exciting. Uh, it's awesome that there's such an international community now, especially given tech startups are everywhere these days and I think it's it's great that you're sort of being the connector for those folks I think that's awesome I've got one final question for you um, because what would the podcast be if I didn't ask an open-ended question and put you on the spot hmm. um, you were you were for quite a long time a really accomplished tech CFO before you began sort of building and running this network and, and now you are essentially acting in, in sort of the shoes of a founder in every way here um, it's really not actually a very easy transition to, to make from being someone who operates within a business to someone who operates a business. And so I wonder if you can sort of um, maybe come up with a pithy way of, of explaining what the major learnings for you have been on that journey from tech CFO to founder of what I would describe as a leading business in the tech ecosystem, specifically in that sort of CFO network system. Yeah, that is a great question. I, I mean, I, I think first it's interesting just to sort of talk a little bit about the persona of the CFO, right? So I think people tend to see the persona of the CFO as, as a, a bit more risk averse than, say, the founders or perhaps um, even the COOs. And, you know, you've been in that role, obviously, Emily. Uh, and so um, it's worth kind of commenting on that there is a difference, like for sure, your CFO should be a bit more risk averse and they should be challenging some of the more risky things that, that, that the businesses do. And it can be hard for a CFO to cross into the founder role. Um, we have a few members in the group that have done it. I mean, I'm thinking Nick Lally at Ravelin, he's done it, Philip Kelvin seems to be having huge success at Tranche. So we've got a couple of guys who've done incredibly well becoming founders who were CFOs before. Um, but it's not easy. And, and in my personal experience, there are some challenges there. I'd say in terms of overcoming those, the main thing I focus on, and I'm going to sound a bit like a broken record here, um, trust and authenticity. I think if all of your behaviors build trust in, in others uh, and you're truly authentic to who you are, then that will help with any sort of change in the shape of your role. Uh, and, and I think the fact that we've been focused on those core themes for so long that was absolutely key I think that the second thing that I'd sort of go back and tell my younger self is there's a sense that you're going to go through things that are really difficult and you don't really want to go through those things on your own like it, it would just be you could feel overwhelmed or just give up right um and I just think that as you build like the people around you uh it really helps if you've got somebody rooting for you right and and you know it's really hard to explain that point because like you could be in a company that's doing really well and have a peer group, 
but you might be competing with your peer group for a promotion. And so maybe maybe they're not rooting for you, right? So you kind of need to end up with uh, friends, partners, you know, relationships generally with people that are rooting for you. And I think that's actually one of the things that we then see in the group, right? So we've got 940-odd CFOs in our group. Uh, how many of those people are competing with each other? Actually, in the main, the businesses are not competing. They're all uh, growing because they're basically taking on market share from uh, completely new verticals or just disrupting old verticals. Uh, and they're typically not really competing for a role, right? So you kind of have this sense in the group that people are supporting one another. And, and that's really why the conversations are so good. Um, so I, I hope that answers your question, Emily. I realise that. Uh... <laughs> no, it, it does. And I recognise a lot of what you're saying. I was sort of thinking, um, sort of playing a movie in my mind as you were talking about all of the interactions I've had in that group. And the, I think the thing that really stands out, I mean, I know trust and authenticity are such buzzwords, but... The, the, the thing for me that I've really in, enjoyed about being in that group is that there is, it's very clear that when you engage with people, whether that's at events or, or in the Slack group asking questions, I have always found it quite noticeable that the people engaging with me don't have an agenda. So if someone sat down and written a whole bunch of paragraphs about stuff and give me links to things and, and offered to send me like a spreadsheet template or whatever. And it's, it's never in return for anything. It's always just... Uh, it, there's no agenda and I think that you know trust and authenticity one of the sub things that I really value there is there's no there's no agenda everyone's there to help and everyone is there to cheer each other on I think that's quite a unique thing uh, that you've managed to build so you know congratulations I suppose yeah well thank you thank you very much Emily this has been so much fun I'm really pleased that we did this uh, <laughs> it's amazing to have you in the host seat uh, you're a natural with this kind of podcast thing by the way you should you should have your own Emily Lincoln Gordon. I'm actually just thinking I might take over the startup CFO one. You're so busy. I... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, I, 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 I could use the help. That is for sure. Uh, <laughs> have you, uh, you know, have you survived being in the in the interviewee seat? Okay, guy. Yes, I have enjoyed it actually. Now, now I know exactly what I'm putting people through. So uh, <laughs> I've now got a deeper affinity and understanding for my guests and that can only be he be healthy um so uh so 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 thank you for driving that that's been fantastic uh, but but before we 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 let each other go because I, I think i've just turned the tables on you right now um, <laughs> emily so uh tell us a little bit more about the thing that you're doing because we've we've run a few all-female events we ran a all-female mastermind group Last year, that was a great success. We have in um, the middle of May an all-female event coming along. We've not promoted it yet, but that will be announced in the next couple of weeks, I think. Um, and we know that there's legs in that. And and um, I'm, I'm, I actually want to hear a little bit more about the thing that you've been working on recently. Yeah, it's um, it's quite a nascent thing and it, uh, quite a selfish thing, I guess, from my perspective. It's called Table 8, um, table8.io. And it's effectively a place for female execs who are operators within a business, so quite deliberately non-founders, um, so anyone who isn't the founder of the business but works within that business, and they're in London because I, I think we talked about it a fair bit earlier, but I think for me the really important thing is, is in-person events, and so I've sort of restricted it to folks who can be in London semi-regularly. Um, we've had one meetup. It was incredibly interesting to meet these really 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 accomplished women who 
on the application forms, I ask a bunch of really invasive questions about <laughs> what would they change in the world and what is their experience, etc. Um, and everyone has a, a very different thing to say. But broadly, it sort of validated that I thought that there was a need here, which is to say that I think that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of networks that are about your profession. So the CFO network or the GC network. I'm in another network called COO Stories, and all of them have their own value, and, and I rely on them quite heavily. Uh, the thing that doesn't exist is a network for women who operate within businesses, which is a very unique place to be because you don't fully control it. You're not the founder, you're not the CEO. Those networks exist in their own right and they're also great. But you do work with people who can be very challenging. We also work in an industry where quite a large majority of the founder CEOs are still you know, straight white men. Um, and so it has its sort of own challenges and it can be a little bit lonely at times when you are the only person at the table. And I've experienced that for a number of years, being the only exec at the table, the only board member who's sort of a woman or a person of colour. And so I wanted to bring together women in those operating roles who kind of live those experiences day to day so that we can, well, one, be there with each other when we win, when, we, when we're frustrated, etc. But also sort of cross-discipline. So it's not restricted to you are a COO, you are a CFO. It's restricted to the experience of being a female in that exec position operating in a business, a tech business in London. Uh, and that is a very unique sort of mixed group of CEOs, CMOs, COOs, CFOs, COOs. It's, it's sort of everything in that. Um, we've got CPO, Chief, Chief People Officer. And it's really interesting um, just to get different perspectives and um, frankly to to kind of discuss how we would love to change the current status quo um, in some meaningful way to actually put some action behind it and figure out how can we be helpful. I think I've worked with a lot of um, male peers who would love to see something be different, but actually don't quite understand what that takes. And so, you know, not one to say we should solve the problem, um, but I do think that we can be more active and more helpful if it's something that's frustrating us. That's just my a personal nature of mine to say well if it's a problem it's it's no one else's but mine so I, I want to figure out if there's something we can do um so yeah it's 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 been interesting so far and it has given me just a bunch of respect for what you do <laughs> it's a lot of work even at this very small scale there's sort of 20 30 people um and even going through applications it's um it is a lot of work that you do yeah so so the way you've shaped that that new initiative of yours is super interesting because there's two two things you mentioned that I think um, set, set, set it out as very different is one is in the criteria to get people around a table you're looking for people with um, a bold vision for what the outcomes will be from their their work from what they're doing with their lives right you you're looking for people looking for um, something bigger than just having a great job right okay. And then the second part of it is you, you are looking for people who are um, multidisciplinary operators. And actually, this is a topic that's come up a little bit in some of our more strategic CFO groups where like your job title might be CFO or your job title might be COO or whatever, but you're trying to deliver an outcome for a business. And it's nearly impossible to deliver any of those outcomes if you just sit in your silo, right? You have mm -hmm. to be influencing like the marketing silo or the tech silo or the ops silo or the, the thing that product are doing. Uh, and that topic, that topic is huge. And I think if you really speak to the CEOs that have delivered substantial outcomes and built great businesses, and you drilled into what's making their direct reports amazing, uh, it's that 
element to be sort of like multidisciplinary, able to um, work outside of your silo and have these great partnerships and really deliver. I completely agree. I think there's um, two things there. The, the first thing you said there is entirely true. And I've, I've always enjoyed working in, in every setup I've been in. I've enjoyed working most with people who are deeply motivated by something bigger than self. And so I was part of a network that was um, run by somebody else about the sort of female-led network. Um, but it was very much about yourself. It was about what do I get out of this? What what are, what are my prospects if I join this? It was sort of a signaling thing where you wanted to be seen to be part of this network. And so I left because that just made my skin itch. And so um, I think that there's two things here. One is that the, the, the women that I am sort of looking to band together with are people who are motivated by something bigger than themselves, um, whether that's the next generation, something else or their organization or what it might be. And also women who, for example, had the same issues I did when another very, very large network of uh, female executives called Chief, I think there was a, a number of instances, but for example, Rowan Wade came out and they refused to say anything about it. And you hear quite a lot of um, no politics kind of policies. And I, I really am against that because silence is violence. So, you know, these are all women where I'm very clear, like you have to be comfortable that if something happens, I'm going to say something about it. And I would, I would very much welcome you doing the same. And they are all very much like that. And I think the second thing there is this sort of interdisciplinary interaction, even at our first hangout, which was just a super informal, let's see each other's faces and see who we are. Um, someone started chatting about a sort of issue they were having that was a, a legal background person and the chief people officer that was there immediately sprang into action and had a bunch of really useful practical advice. And they sort of said, oh, let's chat offline as well. That'd be really interesting. And so I think that there's a whole lot of um, really interesting sort of very rich interaction to be had between people both on a personal level but also you know professionally interacting with more people who aren't like you or who don't have the same background as you is really valuable emily it's amazing to hear that you're providing a forum to make conversations like that happen as part of table eight and i wish you all the best really driving that forum forward it sounds like a fantastic initiative thank you very much again for um taking on the host seat and allowing me to guest for once. Oh, it's been super fun. Thank you very much for asking me, for having me. You were listening to CFO Insights brought to you by Startup CFO. If you're a finance professional working in disruptive tech and would like to join our global network, visit our website, startupcfo.tech to learn more. This podcast was part of our CFO Insights series of discussions. And if you want to learn more about the Startup CFO Group, follow us on LinkedIn to learn more about our community and the upcoming events. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast.